0: Um, all right, we're rolling. Uh, Sam, is it Sademan? Sademan, yeah. Sademan? Thank you for taking the time to come be on the podcast. Um, so we met back in like 2018, I think, um, just through the Artist Management Connect on Facebook. Um, and you were managing Jonas, and I was a fan of Jonas, and I saw that you posted about Jonas, and so I reached out, um, and we kind of stayed in touch ever since. But yeah, man, how's everything going? What you been up to?
1: Yeah, man. First of all, appreciate you having me. Um, and yeah, everything's been good, man. Uh, the pandemic has caused us to, um, you know, explore some unique avenues for the business and some stuff has really, you know, taken off in really unique ways. So it's been uh, it's been really good and really exciting. Right. Um, but yeah, all around can't complain. Um, just grateful to, to be working still.
0: Yeah. So let's go back to uh, Jonas. When did you start working with him?
1: Uh, I started managing Jonas in 2017. So actually not, not far before you and I got connected. Okay. Um, so I was, I was running the marketing team at a label services distributor and he was distributed by them on this like big deal that um, he had procured himself through them. Um, and I was running the marketing team and we got connected and um, I always kind of felt like, um, his music needed someone to like be the spokesperson that wasn't him, right. and it it made sense for me at the time to to take that on. And so I, you know, I spoke to the team and and they were okay with it. And so it made sense. Um, and then 2018, I left that company anyway, and um, yeah, and I've been with the Onus ever since. Yeah, that,
0: I I like the way you put that. Um, because I think that's what a management perspective should be you know you have a a respect for this artist you think they're talented and you think that they shouldn't be the ones responsible for doing their own management work essentially yeah i mean there's
1: times a manager has to roll his sleeves up and get dirty right and and it's it's always weird when an artist has to do that and play the bad guy because also their brand matters more than the manager's brand right and that's always something to grapple with as a manager it's like being less in the public eye comparatively to the artist and um and so it's okay to be the bad guy as the manager that your brand is to protect your brand is not to be the good guy in the public eye so um yeah totally i totally agree i think uh manager is important for an artist in many ways
0: yeah and i think so i want to talk a lot about management today because i don't think artists typically know what a manager is or what a manager does yeah. Um, but that's typically one of the first things that I try and convey is that a manager is meant to be that layer of separation between the artist and any anyone else, any anything else. Yep. Um, and yeah, you play the bad guy because if the artist can talk to the other artist about, you know, a possible feature and be like, Yeah, dude, I want to do it. Let's let's get it in. Then the manager gets to step in and be like, Okay, so uh are you comfortable with the rate? Are you comfortable with the splits? You know, and and, and right. write down those points.
1: Right, 100%, and I think it's it's super vital for artists, especially as you grow. But I do wanna clear up some misconceptions about management, because I think that is the biggest part, Um, one of the biggest misconceptions in the music business as it pertains to like artists thinking about building teams out. Um, Managers can't, most managers can't procure something out of nothing, Mm. right? Ultimately, we need ammunition to be as good as we can otherwise what happens is my relationships I'm the guy who asks for favors and I'm not necessarily value to a label or to a booking agent or to a publisher or whomever that I'm utilizing this relationship to unless there's stuff for them to also win from it's really tricky Um, and so I always tell every artist like unless you're ready for a manager don't get a manager or get a manager of similar size to you as an artist so that you're Um, expectations are level and and everyone's wanting the same thing Um, but artists can do it themselves I mean you don't need a manager in 2021 there's plenty of technology there's plenty of ways to um, separate the artist brand and the business brand if needed Um, so I I always try to clear that up because I think every artist watches you know a movie or hears a story and things like the manager comes in and then they're to the moon so to speak Um, and so yeah that's tough and and i always I always try to harp on that with my clients. It's like ultimately we're only as good as what we're being provided with and what's going on around the brand, whether there's fans starting to bubble or you know things some certain growth metrics starting to you yeah. know flag us or what have you um and so it's really it it is a really tricky job and you, you never know the exact right time, but you got to trust your gut and know like what your communities will gravitate to and what they won't.
0: Right, yeah, and I think uh, I've heard this phrase a lot, and it kind of resonates. Is do you have something to manage um, as an artist, right? Before you get a manager, because you're right. um, If there's nothing, there's nothing happening. It's very hard for a manager to to do anything about it. You know, we have have to leverage and capitalize on opportunities. So, like a really good example, just because it just happened, was you know, Oren got his placement on Netflix. Now I have a ton of ammunition. I'm reaching out to everyone. You know, like there's a lot to do. Um, But prior to that, for a few months, there wasn't a lot going on. And so I was kind of like trying to figure out what to do, but there was no ammunition at the time.
1: Right. And then you become the favor guy. If you you over lean into that and you become the guy who's always asking for handouts in the music industry. And and once you're that guy, it's really hard to get out (laughs) of that. So value add, I think is so important. And you're totally right. Ammunition is, is the name of the game. Um, And I always say like, as an artist, the bare minimum expectation of your job is to make music that's that right. is the bottom the very bottom workflow <laughs> right everything else is like is what you need to do to build your career for a manager to help you frame and shape and 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 pitch and funnel and do all their job um what are you doing to engage with your fans on social media what kind of content are you creating that's diy or funded what other avenues are you exploring what artists are you networking with for tour opportunities or for features or or anything else it's extremely tricky when an artist just thinks that they can make music and then the rest just happens for them right
0: right yeah and one of my favorite um sayings is that talent is a prerequisite there's so many talented artists but it's like what are you doing with that talent how much music are you making like you said how are you connecting with your fan base connecting with artists are you capitalizing on your potential um so i guess as a manager where do you tend to draw the line between like delegation of responsibilities like what kind of stuff would you do versus what the artist is working on
1: I'm never afraid to do more than my role um is like cut out to be I think as a manager if you want as a manager who doesn't work for like a red light or you know a, um, just a bigger company like that you will have to wear more hats than you're used to you won't have n- a ton of team members on your team or the artist team yet to um, help develop that and, and take on certain roles. So I think if you want to be a good manager, you have to be willing to fit into whatever the puzzle pieces needed are. You know, mm-hmm. I have some clients who have content teams on retainer and don't need me to stand there with a camera and shoot or <laughs> yeah. don't need me to sit, you know, behind Photoshop and edit pre-save now graphics or, or mm-hmm. what have you. Um, i have somewhere i'm driving the tour bus and i'm the tm and i'm the merch guy and i'm shooting the show too and i'm doing all these things so um i think it's just totally dependent on each artist's individual team budget and where they are right
0: right yeah and i i agree um especially in the earlier stages of your career as an artist yeah. like there's just so much to do and you know you can't afford to hire teams to take care of all the normal stuff so yeah the manager becomes the tour manager and the booking agent and the merch guy yeah. and the show photographer um in yeah, all of roles yeah and it's fun as a manager it's yeah. pretty fun when you get to do those things because 100%. i just like doing stuff um and i like being in the music industry but so before 2017, before you started working with Jonas, um, you were working at a record label services company. Is that right?
1: A distributor that provides lab- label services. Okay.
0: Yeah. So that's yeah. that's something I'd like to ask about too, because I don't think most people know what that is or what those services would be. Um, sure. So what kind of stuff are you doing with that company?
1: Yeah. So kind of how, how I got to that position where I was hired for that job, because I think that kind of okay. tells the story nicely is... I went to college for a third time after I made hip-hop music as a rapper and tried to sue a record label that I got signed to at 17. (laughs) Um, I moved from New York to Atlanta and was just like kind of building my general business background doing real estate and door-to-door sales for a solar panel company and freelance social media marketing for mom and pop shops. Realized that there was a a music business that wasn't just built on like nepotism and you know who your parents know at a record label who could you know put you in this executive role or fast track you Um, and so I knew that I needed to go back to school for the third time and so I went to Belmont in Nashville uh, launched my business with the idea of putting musicians first which was 2014 and then Um, 2016, I dropped out for the third time and I was working at Marathon Music Works, which is like a 2000 capacity venue in town. Um, and I got a job at Sony ATV Music Publishing. So during the day I was at Sony and night I was at the venue on the weekends and around the edges, I was doing an oboe stuff. Um, it's the music industry hustle. Um, and then in 2000, early 2017, we were doing a bunch of like hourly consultation stuff for clients and, this awesome folk Americana artist from Toronto who lived in Nashville named Kate Gillespie um, came to us and she was looking for more involved um, day-to-day management, if you will, or consulting around a release, around a a debut EP. And so we were discussing it and I was like, look, this doesn't make sense to do on an hourly basis, but like, what if you put us on a retainer and we just kind of sat in as like your marketing team for this? um we've never done this but we do it for our management clients so i don't see why not so i said just name your price whatever feels good to you will be you can be our guinea pig so we put it out this was 2017 it was distributed uh via a company called one rpm mm-hmm. which we used as an aggregation portal so an aggregator is like a cd baby or a tune core where you're just uploading your music to their their platform for distribution you're not actually working with a team at the distributor so mm-hmm. they're just an audit like think of it as an automated um service that takes your metadata and sends it out. Mm-hmm. So we were using them as an aggregation portal. We weren't communicating with anyone there. We just used their online like uploader basically. Um, the record comes out and it lands like 15 or 20 Spotify editorial playlists mm-hmm. and it's just kind of going off and, and doing really great numbers. And all of a sudden, one of like the vice presidents at the company reached out to me and and basically was like, what are you doing for this project? Because in our like Monday morning calls, team calls, it's showing up as like a top trending song internally. But this is the only song that doesn't have like an account rep on it. So what are you doing? (laughs) So I explained and he was like, well, the owner's in town from Brazil today and tomorrow. Can you come in and meet him? And at the time I thought like, okay, I'll call in sick to Sony and I'm going to go sell one RPM on my marketing services. So Uh I thought that they were going to hire my company Innovo, to do this for their, their other clients. So I go in, turns into a job interview, like almost immediately. Uh Um, And I get given this like project to go home with and send back, like how I would handle this thing in terms of marketing. And uh, yeah, end up getting hired as like basically second in command of the marketing team. And then um, two months later, my boss got laterally moved and they moved me up. So I was running the US marketing team. So everything from um, running, running label budget for Method Man and CeeLo Green to Cherub and tons of others where, you know, they're more of a label in the, in a label services sense where they're giving money to a client and running like this reimbursable marketing budget. So I was in charge of basically taking the money, help working with their management team and their, whoever else is on their team to build a marketing plan around the budget, around the releases, and then also having conversations with the DSP platforms around the release to try to, you know, ascertain support and and all that. So, um, yeah, it was a lot. Uh, yeah. and I did that. I was there, I think, October, 2017 to June, 2018. So not super long, but, um, In 2018, I was kind of burnt out and I decided to make the jump to full-time for Anovo because we were getting to the point where after we did that release, all these independent artists were coming to us and we were suddenly providing the service for tons of artists um, and which we coined at the time project management. We still Mm -hmm. call it that. Um, And so, yeah, we were just getting too busy for me to be working a full-time job and then doing it with like student employees at night. Um, And so 2018, I made the jump full time for myself, alone in a warehouse office and then yeah. uh top of twenty nineteen we started hiring and just have been growing ever since.
0: That's crazy yeah that's yeah
1: it's a weird journey crazy. for sure
0: okay um so yeah, let's talk about when you're running the one rpm stuff so I guess as an artist, if I was an independent artist, when would you recommend I start? taking those meetings to learn about possible distribution deals or project management deals? um, And what kind of leverage would I need to ensure like a a good deal, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a great question. So anyone can go to any of these distributors and work out like a deal where um, they're sending your music out for a bigger split than what you're used to at an aggregator. The benefit there being you have an account rep. So if there's an issue with your song getting distributed to the wrong Spotify page or the wrong Apple music page, there's a team there that can actually help you with that. And also spit you a pre-save link and share the analytics with you and, and all that. Um, anyone can do that. As you grow, those deals will become more favorable. What that means is distribution percentages will be smaller on, the, on what they're taking. Right. You might get pitched to the DSPs if you're becoming a priority there. And they'll be working with you maybe on some other opportunities as well. And then what happens is as you get bigger and bigger, you can actually work out marketing deals with, these, with a lot of these label services where they'll put a budget together. So say a 10 song album and they're giving you 50 grand. Um, what that looks like is they're giving you 50 grand, which is recoupable. Mm. So you're working with them to decide like, where is that going to be spent? Maybe it's five grand on PR, 10 grand on influencers, five grand on ads, whatever it may be. Um, and you're working on that and then they're spending that money as it, as it comes up and working with you to kind of quarterback that release. Um, and then they're recouping off the streams until, uh, your percentage recoups, um, the total. So Mm -hmm. if it's an 80, 20 split, your 80% has to cover the 50, the 50 grand Their 20% is their margin. Once that happens, then you are making money from that dollar on at at your 80% split, um, that that's not to say that every artist that gets to that size wants to do that because you're spending other people's money which is great but also you're not making a dollar until that's covered. So some big artists just prefer to put their own money up, but that is totally an opportunity that you can um chase. Now what I will say is um as you get to that size you'll have to provide certain data tools, certain analytics to them because they're not like a label where they can throw a million dollars and if it's not working they just cut their losses right fifty thousand dollars to these small businesses is a is a not a nominal fee and so you'll be submitting like two years of you know your distro kid royalty so they can get an idea for like what your monthly revenue is so they know like okay if we give them 50 grand like we're on track to probably see it here you know or like every release that's come out has made roughly x so on this new music um we should see a similar rate or more right. um and then on top of that you can also do back uh, catalog deals where they migrate your entire back catalog from a distro kid redistribute it so the streams come back mm-hmm. it'll just it just merges them because it's the same isrc and metadata and then um they're just making from there on on those mm-hmm. two
0: yeah uh I, I like that you clarified that it is getting recouped because that's another i think misconception that artists have is that when you get an advance from a label it's like i'm rich now it's like no no that's a loan that's that's money you have to pay back oh yeah uh, with the success of your of your album and like you said uh they do need to see your your past records to know like let's say you were making a thousand dollars a month in royalties if they give you a marketing budget of fifty thousand they should expect to see more than that so maybe two thousand after that those next few months and that's how they make those determinations. But yeah, like you said, you're not gonna have income for a while if you take an advance and you spend it on on a project. Um, so that's always the consideration. And then obviously if the project doesn't do well, you're kind of shit out of luck. Um so yep. it
1: is a risk. And, and you'll never see and you'll never see money from that project until they do recoup or you buy them out. So sometimes mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things where uh you it only makes sense if you don't have the budget to do it yourself and you need, and you need that money to do it.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. So what do you got going on now? What's, what's 2020 and 2021 been like, Uh, are you still in OVO full time?
1: I am. um, I'm managing our roster, which is, um, so during the pandemic we actually signed three artists on the management roster. So we basically doubled our roster. Um so my assistant Savannah now manages an R&B soul artist named Dakota Riley um and then I signed a um pop hip hop producer and artist named Sansel the Artist and then we also signed Sammy Adams which is super oh, exciting wow. yeah. um and you know that's a that's our newest signing and um one that we're super pumped about so that's one side of what we've been doing the other side is we've actually been expanding like crazy um we had a couple rocky months there but um in a, um, you know, in the goal to innovate and and try to find other sources of revenue, um, we actually opened up an influencer management division last ju- last July, I believe it was. Um, and so, yeah, we manage about a dozen influencers now. We do um, campaigns for everyone from like Universal Pictures to uh, we've done stuff for like Nicki Minaj and DJ Snake and Skrillex, um, and then all the way to like the brand side. We're doing like uh, Ulta Beauty, Skechers, mm-hmm. Champion, Planners, Peanuts, um, Vistaprint, mm-hmm. uh, Lands End, tons of stuff. Um, and so on that side, we actually do kind of two things. One is we have, um, we rep these influencers and we're negotiating on their behalf. So we're going to them and um, brands are reaching out or bigger projects are reaching out and they want a specific influencer of ours to join a broader campaign. So we're negotiating on their behalf. We're also working with them on social media strategies and mm. um, licensing videos where it makes sense. So we just license the video to um, ridiculousness, the MTV show for instance, <laughs> yeah. um, and then merchandising and anything else that makes sense for them. Um, and then the other side of the coin is like, we've ended up in this position where we're basically the the end of the tunnel for brands where brands are hiring marketing companies and then those marketing companies are hiring us Um, (laughs) instead of doing a portion of the campaign we're running the whole campaign so we only manage 12 influencers but we're doing these massive campaigns where there are almost 200 influencers Um, and so it's you know relationships that we've built in the space and and um, lots of outreach Um, but yeah it's good man it's just been a crazy few (laughs) months crazy dude growing pains and all that
0: yeah so I want to get back to um signing artists because that's another major question. I'm an artist. I want to get signed by a manager or by a label. you know, what do they look for? Um, what do you look for? I mean sammy Adams yeah. obviously he's he's a big guy like I've heard of him i' I'm a fan of his music, and when you mentioned that, I was like, holy shit that's that's awesome. but in general yeah. what kind of things do you look for?
1: Yeah, like you said, talent is a prerequisite um, however, there's there's been a couple times in my career that I have taken talent as the entire pie. Wow. Um, that is only in cases where I am jaw dropped, blown away. Um, and so like Sanso, the artist is a perfect example of that. I knew nothing about him. I didn't know him as a person. I didn't know what he had accomplished as a producer or an artist. I had seen his debut music video under this new brand and I was like, jaw dropped. And I sent it to like my, close circle of artists and friends and colleagues that I was like I'm not bugging right like this is (laughs) this is really good and uh, I slid in his DMs and we it was like peak pandemic so when Mm. everyone was terrified to see people so we literally did the whole thing over FaceTime and email Yeah. Um, yeah and and you know I didn't know like he has this whole sync history and he used to be a part of like this pretty big indie band and i didn't know that at the time obviously that stuff is great for as ammunition but at the time when i reached out it was like purely based on talent um all that to say that's not how i usually scout artists what i like to see is that there is some element of strategy being played whether it be from them or a bigger team like a pr firm or something else so what are they doing to engage with their audience are they doing like a weekly instagram live series are they playing local round, writers rounds or shows or, um, you know, what, what things are they doing consistently, not one-offs. What are they doing consistently um, to show that they are building these things and integrating these things into their strategy and can manage those things. Cause I mm-hmm. think that is so important. Um, so that's always a great thing. I like to see that they're building this like core audience and have right. a very strong understanding of who their core audience is and, um, And I would say like, I typically come in a little earlier than a lot of managers. Um, Not, I don't take like fully undeveloped, but um, I I would say I come in maybe a step or two before a traditional manager, because I know, you know, I can't compete with a red light, you know? And so Mm -hmm. if I, if I come in that late, I'm competing against the firm with hundreds of employees. And so um, I usually come in just slightly earlier and, and try to get that last part there and by that point we're okay. rocking and rolling
0: yeah i i like that you said um you know you met him and did it all on facetime uh and that's actually how me and oren met it was just through a facebook random message um i listened to his music and i was like holy shit, this guy needs way more attention and yeah. i just started helping him out and we hadn't we didn't meet for like over a year after we started working and Crazy. Sometimes it just works, you know. And so
1: Yeah, I'll give you I'm meeting Sammy this Friday. Oh shit. That's we've awesome. got a show. We've got a show um in Illinois at a university yeah. we're headlining. And um yeah, it's our first show, you know, since the pandemic started, and also first time I'll meet him because I'll fly yeah. out to TM the date. So um yeah, totally, totally get it. We've been working together like almost six months, but kind of doing the dance before that for several months so
0: right um,
1: totally 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 digital era yeah that's how it works
0: yeah and that's that's the point i was i was gonna make is that as artists a lot of them tend to think very locally you know like who's in my state who's in my city but with instagram and social media you can reach people all over the world who could potentially change your life and like 100%. you said um sometimes the talent is enough to where you get someone sliding in your DMS who's going to, you know, take you on as a client and, you know, help you elevate. Um, but yeah, the other thing I wanted to ask about with the, uh, campaigns for the, um, influencers, what do you think about all that? Cause that's a fairly new thing. I, I assume a yeah. lot of it's TikTok and, and those types, um, that seems to be kind of changing the game to where major brands are getting involved with people making these 15 second videos.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I think it's an interesting landscape and I think if your brand is, if your brand's target audience is Gen Z, Mm -hmm. there's no place better to reach people. Um, I think unlike any other platform, they have the unique ability to have ceilingless reach. And what I mean by that is if you pay a 1 million follower Instagram um, influencer to to do a post, you're reaching a percentage of that million, Right. right? And it's fairly capped. Unless you're running boosted posts around it, it's fairly capped because Facebook owns it and Facebook yeah. wants you to spend money. TikTok is still at the point and it's like uh nascency that you can uh, reach people well beyond your following. The way right. people sift through videos is not by people they're following, it's by yeah. the For You page. So um, if you're working with certain influencers, you have the unique ability to reach far more than their following or their reach. Um, not always, but a lot of the time we see that happen. Um, And so I think it's like, it's just so cutting edge and unique and brands who aren't getting involved in that space, I think are still, uh, missing out on something really special. And I think in two years, the TikTok space will change too, as people want to make more money and advertise and do other things. Um, we're already seeing that with like, we have beta access to their boosted post function so we can Uh, run ads on like posts now and all kinds of stuff. Um. But all that to say, I think it's just like, it is it is changing the way people digest things and, and are influenced to make purchase decisions. Um, we don't do a ton of like music promotion on there. We were getting into that space and where we had what we do with managing influencers, the marketing for the brands, and then also this like label and independent artists uh, running these campaigns. And we were we were kind of looking at it and we were like, the KPIs for these, like where a label would dictate if this were successful or not is literally if the video, if the song went viral from the right. TikTok challenge, which is just something that's so impossible to predict. And so like hard to, to gauge and work around and, and build towards. Um, cause if it takes, it takes like, there's right. no, you know, formula to that. Um, and their budgets are very small compared to brands. Like they might be a five to 10 K budget and yeah. their expectation is virality. <laughs> like, that's just like, of course that weirder stuff has happened. People with $0 budgets have gone viral on TikTok, mm-hmm. but it's just not the place that we, the, the circle that we want to live in. So we let other companies compete for that business. And um, we just do the brand side where it's bigger budget. And the goal is not virality because that's yeah. intangible. The goal is we want X amount of influencers with X amount of reach in X demographic and X whatever to, um, to do these challenges in these ways. Um, and then on the other side, we join a bunch of those companies that we're choosing not to compete with. We choose their, I mean, we get booked for their challenges all the time Mm -hmm. for our, for our influencers. We just chose not to run our own.
0: Right. That makes sense. Um, and I've never thought of it that way, but it's kind of like, um, trying to spread awareness of an already well-known product, like the same as like Burger King ads, like everyone knows what Burger King is, but the more that they show it, the more likely they are to get in your head and then you go out and buy it. Um, And that's kind of where those brands make sense. But yeah, with the artists, especially independent artists, you're trying to break a new product or a new brand to people who've never heard of it. Um, And that's obviously gonna be way harder unless you go viral, like you said, which is intangible, hard to predict um, and not a realistic expectation of a campaign.
1: Yeah, and I think there's so many unique ways to leverage TikTok specific to artists in the music business. I think everyone thinks of it super one-dimensional, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, oh, I'm gonna be, corny if I join this platform right. and like come off needy and and like beggar like to ask random strangers to stream my music or pre-save my new song or what have you this is how you market music now not using tiktok in your mark in your media and marketing strategy would be like putting your music out on soundcloud and not <laughs> and and avoiding the dsps like it's It is there and it is working and it is cutting edge. And I'm not saying that you need to spend money on influencer campaigns. There's a whole nother world of promoting on TikTok, which is utilizing your own videos to create, right? And and we see a direct tangibility between consistency and growth. That's like Mm -hmm. anything in life, right? If you go to the gym every day, you're going to get stronger or skinnier or whatever your goals are there you eat better, you're going to get healthier. Like there's a direct tangibility between consistency and growth and anything in life. TikTok is no different than that. If you're consistent on the platform and you're posting interesting things and you're staying in your niche, you're going to grow. Like we see it time and time again, but what happens is artists will post once or twice. They don't go viral and they give up. It could take the, it it could take 500 videos to go viral, but you're going to grow every day, just like anything else. And, um, And because it's ceilingless, like now is the time to do that. Um, And we see it all day, every day. Artists post a video on there, it goes viral, and it changes their career, like overnight. So um, I just, yeah, artists are missing out by worrying too much about this corniness. There's so many unique styles that you can create on there that are not corny. Um, People just... You know, think of it and stay in that like trapped mindset sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's definitely uh stigmatized, right? Especially as yeah. you get older in the industry, you know, in your 20s, 30s, people kind of look at it as oh, that's just for kids, you know, it's for those yeah. silly dances and um and that kind of stuff. So I guess if you were to give advice to someone who's never posted on TikTok or never really used the platform, how would you start? Like if you were a hip hop yeah. artist, you're trying to push a song. Would you dance what would you do? Don't
1: don't post on there until you've lived on there for a week or two. Uh, Spend an hour or two every day just scrolling through your For You page and looking at the style of how people post. There is definitely um, some elements of um, structure to how people make these posts, right? To have some kind of grip, a hook, if you will, Mm. something that catches people's attention so they don't scroll right past your video. And then some kind of call to action to later in the video or something like, it's like a reveal or has something that keeps uh, them doing something called rewatch time, where they watch mm-hmm. the video and they watch it again and again, because that helps the algorithms blast it out to more cold users. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest thing is like, don't post on there until you understand the platform. So once you lived on there for a couple of weeks, you fully understand what TikTok's about. It takes mm-hmm. a little while, but once you do, it's like, it makes sense fully. Um, And then just like find your communities. Like, are you a rapper who sells real estate on the side? Maybe you can do some kind of unique thing where you're like, I don't know, like there's a comedy angle where you're like selling someone a house and they know they like found your music online, you know, and you can like make really funny skits or um maybe you can follow a lot of the trends which are like the if i featured on thing where it's like Mm. you know i take a track a famous track and then i wrap my own verse on it so it ties in a trend and my uniqueness you can flip that a million ways i'll give you an example there's a guy named biddle b-i-d-d-l-3 um and uh him and i have become quite friendly over um time from like clubhouse and other stuff and um he took the if i featured on model and flipped it to um, sneaking into blah, blah, blah studio. And so it's the exact same model, but it's just slightly pivoted to to more of a niche and more of like what his um, content type was going to work like. And so he has like Nicki Minaj sitting in the chair at the studio and gets up to go to the bathroom and then he peers his head around the corner and then jumps on her track and raps on it, right? And so it's the exact same model, but it's unique to him. Um, and yeah, so I think it's just one of those things where um you just have to spend time on there live on there and then like figure out what works for you and what doesn't work for you
0: yeah you uh you stole my story uh so Biddle, he's part of my community he's one of my patrons and um he was actually one of my first interviews uh before i called them podcasts we talked exactly about that like uh taking something that is very successful learning how it works and then finding just a small change to separate yourself Yeah, on top of that, being a talented artist, you know, and actually delivering well and making high quality videos. But I think that is the biggest takeaway is just to learn what works on the platform. Just study
1: it for a while and and don't over professionalize the content. I I can't harp on this enough. Mm. Artists will take their music videos, cut them into 15 second snippets and post them on TikTok. It's not Instagram. It's not YouTube. It's not Twitter. It's unlike any other platform that's ever existed outside of like maybe Vine right. um, and that that age group, they run away from anything that feels like an ad or anything yeah. that feels professional. It has to feel personal and authentic. So DIY 100% of the way, everything should be shot on a cell phone or if it's shot on a camera, made to look like it was shot on a cell phone. Right. Um, so I think that's huge. And I'll give you another example, just for anyone in here who's heard that Biddle story from you before. Um, I manage an artist named Danny G. He was a D1 athlete. He played three high school varsity sports. Um, mm-hmm. And he's a, a pop hip hop artist. Part of his brand is, F, is, is um, sports because it just ties into who he is as a person. So it's authentic. So that's what he does. So we basically created this persona on TikTok that's like the coach. And it's an assistant basketball coach that's just screaming to like the camera as if they were like the kids on his team, yeah. really unique stuff. And now we noticed that that was growing really quickly. And he got to like 130, 140,000 followers on the platform. And then we started to plateau because the content d- doesn't change too much. So you start to plateau. So we pivoted again. And now he does these press conferences where he mm. gets behind fake camera or fake uh, microphones. And you hear like camera snapping. Yeah. And he does different press conferences like uh, after my first kiss or after meeting my um, girlfriend's dad or, you know, Whatever it is it could be, like after my new song came out, but he talks about it like it's a sports press conference, um, and so like you know they're running a great program over there when he's talking about like Chipotle <laughs> yeah you know or whatever it is, um, and it's gone like crazy viral, like the MLB just commented on one of his new ones, and like professional athletes are starting to post like reaction videos, which just took him to over two hundred k followers this week, and now we have the ability to include him in in Anovo's brand deals mm-hmm. that we do, so he's making this whole other revenue source that he didn't even realize existed. He was just being consistent on the platform and being himself, um, and now you know we're we have the challenge of starting to convert those fans of him into fans of his music as well. Right. But they're there, right? Yeah. And they're they're weaponized, and so now it's like, how do we how do we drive? Um, but better there than not there. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to go to go about it. You just have to find what works for you and be unique and and different.
0: Yeah, and I think what I like that you said is to be yourself, because I think what really is happening is that when you're making these videos and you're exposing yourself through these videos on TikTok, the fan base or the followers get to experience the artist as a person. You know, they get yep. to learn who you are, what you're like outside of just the songs that you make. Um, and I think that's always a huge part of creating fans. I mean, that's why shows and tours are so valuable because you get to interact with the fans one-on-one as a person um, yeah. and you get to see who you are, who you really are. Um, and I think that's very valuable. Um, 100%. So that's, that's gotta be a big part of it. Um, yeah. So I guess 2021, if, you, if you're an artist, right? And you're asking Sam, what do I do for this next release? what kind of answer are you giving? Cause there are so many different areas to focus oh, your yeah. energy on and people yeah. get overwhelmed thinking, Oh, I gotta make this. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I gotta do TikTok." What would you recommend? Um,
1: I think I would take it a step back first and figure out what the budget were. If it's mm-hmm. something that has this kind of loose model where it's like spend what makes sense, you know, or it's like, I'm really tight on like, I only have 1500 or whatever it right. is. Um, in a lot of ways budget dictates what you can and can't do there are plenty of things you can do without a budget however um it's just contingent on like are you going to bring pr on are you going to run advertisements some things you can't avoid spending money on like you can't advertise on facebook or instagram or tiktok without spending money like there's just no way around that there's a there's a price to advertise um Once I know what the budget is, I kind of like to work backwards and figure out what the artist is already doing. So Mm -hmm. if they already have content series that they're doing weekly or like fan base that's um, weaponized and ready to go already, then I might really try to lean on them for like like, you know, creating a music video around the release from fans or um, like with Jonas last year, we released a song called Good Day and it was kind of peak pandemic and we wanted to do this whole Good Day challenge where people posted videos on TikTok or Instagram of what made them happy. And Mm. it could be anything. And you use the chorus of the song to be like the soundtrack to your happiness. Um, And it was awesome, we got hundreds of videos, but, um, and it didn't cost us anything, right? Right. Because he has the fan base to like lean into for that. Um, So it's just totally contingent on where the artist is. If they're undeveloped, they probably do need to spend money to reach certain audiences. If they have an audience, they can probably lean into that more than spending on like cold things. So yeah. totally contingent. I, I don't like to lean into one um, and not touch others. I try to right. like to, I, I like to try to spread it out as much as I can. So some kind of ads budget, whether it's bringing in a professional advertiser on retainer and then a budget for them to work with, or just running them with your team, um, some kind of content, whether it's a music video, lyric video, performance, video, mm. w- acoustic video, whatever day in the life could be anything. Um Visual assets, so like your Spotify canvas, your advertisement stuff, anything else. Um, and then, like, maybe you're doing some playlisting, maybe you're doing TikTok, maybe you're doing press, um, maybe you're doing creative marketing, like, you know, something to do with QR codes or something to do with merch drops, or there's so many unique avenues to go. Yeah. Um, so I would try to like work out what the song's about. Is there anything that's like right on the head? If there is, then maybe lean into that a little bit and try to figure out like, is there a trend that I can build around this or something that people can latch onto around this? Um, yeah. And run with it from there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I I agree with not putting all your eggs in one basket because you know, that often will lead to that basket, not working out. And then that's it. You're screwed. Um, yeah. But the other thing is, like you said, look at what else has been working in the past, you know, like think about, um, what assets you do have, what platforms you do have, what content you do have yeah. and, and strategize based off of that. Because typically, you know, if something's working, keep going with that, you know, like 100%. whether it's the Instagram or the ads or, or what have you. But um, yeah, there is no right answer. And I think- Yeah,
1: and I, and I always carve out a budget within a budget that's like yeah. a mis- miscellaneous, right? So it's like, okay, we have a 5K budget, like $800 of this is just put in a pool for gasoline. So it's like if there's a fire starting, right? That's where that's where we're injecting that money. So if it's popping off on TikTok, we're injecting that money into something. We don't have to suddenly scramble and try to figure out where we're gonna get more money to to like use that moment. Right. And yeah. so wherever those moments start to appear is where we start to use that miscellaneous pop.
0: Yeah, that's that's huge. Um capitalizing when something starts to work. Uh, that's, that's so important. That's kind of what I've always tried to do too, is we try a lot of different things. And if something starts to work, that's where we put our energy because why not? Like, you know, that's, that's clearly the thing to do. Um, but yeah, man. So on a personal note, uh, you and I, we talk every now and then, and it's kind of like random hours. So how do you balance like your, your personal life and your schedule? I mean, you, you do a lot, uh, does it get overwhelming or how do you balance it all?
1: It gets very overwhelming. Um, In 2019, I made a very conscious effort of starting to put my life before my work. Hmm. In a lot of ways, the first five years of this business, I was working well into the triple-digit hours between full-time job, part-time job, and a novo, and I was gaining weight and smoking a pack of Newports a day and. Yeah, putting my life seconds to everything. So sleeping two hours a night and always being anxious about my work and what have you. And towards the end of 2019, I really made a conscious effort of like 2020 on. I'm like I called it taking my life back, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm, I built this business where I have a team now that I can lean on and support at, and be supported by and, and delegate to. Whereas I didn't have that in those first five years, and mm-hmm. um, and now I can focus on the CEO role and also the management role and really lean on my team to to be um, killers in their own right and they are and that's allowed me to um, sleep normally and diet and date and have yeah. a life again um, so yeah I think you know what we do as a company um, and what I do alone are, are very different now mm-hmm. versus they didn't they weren't always so um, yeah I mean I'm, I'm pretty conscious of it I try not to take like video calls or phone calls after like six or 7 p.m. If they absolutely have to happen, then I take them then. But I try to keep them in like the eight to six window if I can, um, central time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just try, I I do as much as I can to set those barriers up. And like, if I'm working on the weekends, it's all virtual stuff. So I don't Mm -hmm. come in the office anymore. Um, I try to work from a coffee shop in the mornings or I work from home, um, but a lot of the stuff like where you're saying like you, you hear from me at like two in the morning or something, it's all, <laughs> it's all on my phone. So right. like w- the laptop closes and I'm, I might still be working, but it's like, I'm on my phone working.
0: Right. Yeah. That's, so that is the question, right? Um, so obviously it's, it's great that you've taken your life back and you've started uh, balancing that more, but sometimes you know it does take those five years of working yourself to the bone and and putting work first to get yeah. to this point where you are a successful entrepreneur or CEO of your company and you can balance and delegate other stuff yeah. um so yeah I mean do you feel like that's something that most people have to kind of go through to get to where you've gotten
1: I think if you're a, an entrepreneur or about to be an entrepreneur um you have to come in with the expectation that you're going to do 10 times more than you're planning to do right. for the foreseeable future. Unless maybe you have investment coming in like significant investment. I didn't, I started with $180 in my pocket and that covered, <laughs> that covered a logo, a domain and LLC in the business Hell in yeah. Georgia. And that was everything I had. And the rest was just like funded through earning money in different ways. Um, we never took a dollar in our almost seven years of business. So um, I knew that by not taking money, what was going to be substituted was a longer period of like uh fade in, if you will, mm-hmm. and also uh, a lot more work and a lot right. more hats being wear, worn and a lot more juggling balls in the air and, and all that stuff. Um, so I think every entrepreneur has to come in with the the understanding of like, You're going to probably going debt. You're going to gain weight. You're going to have vices that you don't love. You probably won't have a personal life. Um, But as it grows, you can start taking those things back and and putting those things back on your radar. Um, You know, and that's not to say that I'm perfect. There's definitely things, you know, I definitely am working, answering emails at three in the morning all the time. I definitely sleep badly still because I'm anxious about an artist having an emergency. So, I mean, there's... That's the job. That's the music industry. Um, If you join this industry, you know what you're signing up for. And that's a large part of it. Unless you go work for corporate America in the music industry.
0: Yeah. And then the other part of it, um, beyond just like the physical toll it takes is... The emotional toll because yeah. being in the music industry even like at any level it's always a roller coaster because you can have a day where something amazing happens you get that thing that you were trying to get and then the next day it's like nothing or something bad happens and it's yeah. just always like just weighing on you um that's why we do it
1: though right it's that's awesome. what, that's what i would say <laughs> the, the ups and downs of it are why we do it it's terrible when it's bad and it's amazing when it's good and you know you hope that you hope every day that the good outweighs the bad, and that's right. all you can do.
0: yeah, I mean, it, it definitely it makes me feel alive, you know, when you make that thing happen, especially yeah. when it's as a manager for someone you care about, like an artist and you care about them personally and you're yeah. able to make something really awesome happen for them, there's no better feeling.
1: Uh, 100%. Um, I always but, try to pull myself back a little bit and look at the macro when I'm yeah. having those moments and be like, where were they when I started? Where are they now? If I see something that looks like like this way, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) if I see growth going that way, then I know, okay, like, maybe it's not where I want it, or they want it, or like, the thing we were chasing didn't pan out today, or something bad happened. Hmm. But like, from point A to point B, there's significant growth. And that's, that's what we have. That's what we can look at rather than looking at this tiny moment where it dips down. um, Looking at the broader scheme where it's bottom to top,
0: exactly, yeah, the perspective you know, like even if you go down five percent, you're still up ninety percent from when you started, right, um, but then I guess the other thing is along the way, did you ever begin to doubt or lose hope um, that you would get to where you are now
1: every day <laughs> every, every day, and I still do, and i'm I'm um, not saying that to be pessimistic, I'm saying that to provide any hopeful insight to anyone who's thinking about starting a business there isn't a day where i don't doubt myself or or what we're capable of there isn't a day where i don't have those negative thoughts but like i said you you just hope every day that the positives will outweigh the negatives and um we've been lucky enough that seven years of business it has um Man. there have been extremely challenging times within the business um especially in the early days 2014 15 16 were so many nightmare moments you know um yeah but we stayed strong. I was lucky enough to start it while I was a student where I had lower barriers to entry, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I just, I just stayed persistent and, and worked hard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there isn't a day and, and likely there won't ever be a day without, <laughs> where I don't doubt myself in some way or another, cause that's, that's the job and you're always competing and always, fighting for everything and clawing your way out of things. And so it's natural that you're gonna doubt yourself somewhere along the journey.
0: Yeah. And you know, my only advice to to people on that is just try to keep yourself busy. You know, if you're working and you feel like you're making progress, that's always what's gonna keep you going. You know, it's a feeling of progress, whether
1: it was a write out your tasks. Right. Yeah, write out your tasks. That always helps me. Like if I just take a look at my day and i'm like oh my god i'm so overwhelmed (laughs) just from the look of my calendar or something i write everything out and then i'm like okay what are the things i have to attack outside of these meetings or these calls or what have you and then i just all right i'm gonna make sure this one's done before this this one's done here and i just check them off as i go and and just like the excite the like micro excitement every time you check something off it just like powers you to keep going
0: right Yeah. And there's definitely something to that about making a list of what you have to do. And then of course, starting with the easiest one, just so you can get some momentum for your day, start making progress. Um, But yeah, so I guess, what do you see for the next couple years or next five years? Like, where do you see this going? And where do you want to be?
1: Yeah, I mean, the goal always was to be a music management company from the beginning. Um, and while we are that, we have these other divisions um, that have grown and like, become huge financial pillars for the business. Um, the reason we built those pillars in the first place was we saw, um, especially project management, uh, we saw, or I saw when I was at 1RPM, all these managers who repped big artists having full-time jobs elsewhere mm. and still managing on the side because it's so like this, yeah. up and down you can't predict what income is going to be all the time. And so it's really tricky when you're just eating off the commission and not paid a salary somewhere to project and build and live off of. Um, And so the goal was always to like have these other divisions to be financial pillars for the business. So the management roster and management side could sit in an office and focus on management when the commissions weren't necessarily dictating them to do so. So instead of having a full-time job elsewhere and managing the other pillars of the business Ah. could financially float us to be sitting in the office to focus on this. Um, so that was my idea from when I left 1RPM was like, if I build this side, it will allow managers to sit in an office, focus on management and not have the full-time job as the, right. as the, the barrier to entry. So um, long-term I think that would be the goal is like to really, really build this management side so that these other internal divisions can then invert and be divisions that happen within the management roster. So if we have a 50 person management roster, then all of these divisions that we provide outwardly right now, all these marketing services get flipped invertedly and are provided services for our roster instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, 10 years, maybe.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, Thanks, all right, Sam, where can people find you and Innovo?
1: Yeah, you can find me everywhere. Um, my name is Sam Sademan on Instagram. It's Sam the Manager underscore. There is another Sam the Manager. I'm the one with what? the
0: underscore. You're you're the manager too. I'm Nick the Manager. I didn't nice. know that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Sam the Manager underscore. Okay. Um, and then Anovo, um, you can just find us Anovo Management everywhere. Anovo Management LLC. If you type that in, it'll come up. Um, but yeah, you can connect with us on any social. We'd love to chat, whether it be me or someone else from the team. We can help, we will yeah. uh we will try to do our best and try.
0: Awesome. All right, guys, don't don't message them saying manage me. Okay. That's that's not okay. <laughs> those get
1: archived. I don't even yeah. open them anymore. If I see those in the little preview, it get archived. right it's not that's not how you reach out. <laughs> don't send support just before link. you want to be supported. Great.
0: All right, man. Um, well, I appreciate you taking the time. This is a great conversation. I think a lot of good stuff came out of it. And yeah, it was just good catching up, bro.
1: Yeah, dude. I appreciate you having me and uh, to anyone watching and or listening. Keep fighting every day. Keep striving for greatness. Believe in yourself. That's all you got. So yeah. work hard and believe and I in think, yourself.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you are able to share that, that kind of insight because you're right. At no point do you ever stop doubting yourself or stop having that fear and that pressure and that stress. You never really yeah. make it. You're always working.
1: Yeah. Well, even label artists, like as you, people are always striving as an independent artist to go sign to a label. Right. But then you get to a label. and Now you're the smallest fish in a smaller <laughs> pool with bigger fish and you're fighting for opportunities just in a different sphere. So right. and that, that never ends. That chase never ends. Um, so you just have to constantly realign what your goals are.
0: Yeah. And you got to make sure you love the chase because otherwise you're in the wrong, wrong job. <laughs> Amen, brother. All right, man. Well, appreciate you taking the time. Um, yeah. Thank you.